Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode of The Far Shore. I'm James. Hey, everybody. I'm Andy. And as always, it's nice to be back this time after a pretty long break. <laughs> it has been. It has been quite a long break. Um, I'd like to blame Andy on uh, spending all this time on the beach. Um, <laughs> well, we have to make we have to make the most of it, you see, before we uh, before we go back to the UK. That's um, right. But as you said, James, I think in one of our old uh, previous podcasts, life gets in the way of lots of things and work and and time zones and all sorts. There was a time when I thought you had died, but you went, no, no, no didn't respond to my text for like four days. And I thought, well, James has died. Uh, but thankfully, <laughs> you, you, you are alive. I am alive, yep. <laughs> and we're back on the pod, which is really good. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's 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 great, isn't it? Winter right now in Brazil, being in the southern hemisphere. On you guys, uh... yeah, technically, technically. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it starts on Saturday apparently, but uh, depends where you are in Brazil. Uh, where we are, which is in the northeast, which is only a few hundred miles south of the equator, you don't get the four seasons. You only get two seasons. It's either hot or hot and wet. And so our winter is the kind of hot and wet <laughs> version. <laughs> so, so yeah, we might get a few days where it's just like torrential tropical rain. And that can be fun when all the roads suddenly flood and, and all sorts. But if you go down to the south of Brazil, like the, the extreme south, um, you get snow. So shows you how varied Brazil is. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Well, we're in the uh, the full heat wave of the drought of the western coast of the United States right now. So yeah, uh, I think good. this week we're supposed to get up to 115, which is Fahrenheit. Which which yeah, I, um, don't, I don't work in in strange. Yeah. Numbers. Well, it's been the strange thing, Andy, about moving to the states <laughs> is I always worked in Celsius, uh, but since moving to the states 12 years ago, uh, I've had to adapt to Fahrenheit, and now I've forgotten um celsius so i'm pretty sure 115 fahrenheit is something like 45 degrees celsius what that's crazy it is crazy yeah that's really really hot it is america needs to america needs to sort it it needs to decide because like you do i know i always say england that needs to decide because hang on i might be getting my uh, mixed up your climate's mixed up well no because america does miles right and not kilometers uh, it you does, yeah, it does miles. miles and feet and inches and pounds right. and ounces. Yes. Yeah, so that's it's what, England so that needs to make up its mind. It's England, it's true. Well, right, United Kingdom, Fahrenheit sorry. Is, we we, we yeah, make that mistake sorry. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Britain, United Kingdom, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So actually it is, it's the UK that needs to change its mind, make up its mind because we, we do miles, but then have converted to Celsius. And Celsius is kind of like, that would be the metric, right? Metric. Yeah. So this should, is the most should. interesting podcast ever. I mean, people logged on to, you know, <laughs> hear about mission and hear about our views on Christianity, but instead they get in discussion on imperial the versus metric system. metric hey, system. Well, you, I know. You've got me started there. But the only thing about Fahrenheit that I will say is that it does make no sense at all. Yeah. Because yeah. zero degrees Celsius, that's obviously when water freezes, right? So that's a good starting point to measure. And then... Fahrenheit is just decided just uh... 32 yeah random random numbers why not yeah why not yeah, why, not? why why not why not why not just pick random numbers yeah. that's that's what imperial measurements feel like Sorry. so if someone so wants to so explain to yeah if someone wants to explain to Andy and I 
where where the uh, where the where the thought process in Imperial comes from, we'd we'd love to know. <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah. but you know what, Andy? It's also been it's been a, a week of week of soccer. The European Championships kicked off this week, oh, so yeah. I have my wall oh, chart up on the wall. Oh, so, very good. Um, you nineties yeah. boy. So 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 I. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. I know. I I was nearly got someone in the UK to try and send me like a copy of a magazine with with the, uh, but I ended up printing it out online. So do um do you guys in the states do you guys do stickers like sticker albums for sporting events? Yeah, like I think they collect cards like for oh, baseball. Cards. Like yeah, baseball like cards. baseball or basketball players. Yeah. Um, not that I pay any attention. Um, <laughs> Because obviously, you know, if we if we if we want to get into the British culture of sporting events, especially soccer events, you need to have your sticker album. That's right. Going yeah. Down, yeah, and getting all the stickers for the World Cup. I know. I don't have I one think for the Euros. I probably we wouldn't do it now, Andy, because we'll probably be cheapskates now. And back when we did it, it was probably <laughs> like twenty five p a pack. <laughs> now it's probably like four pounds a pack. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm excited by it. Being able to watch a few of the games. Um England's chances as always will they'll lure us into a false sense of security and then we'll lose in like yeah. the second round. I know that's why I'm trying to explain to uh, you know because here the the tournament's on the main kind of sports channels here so yeah. um, Americans even Americans that aren't interested in soccer are aware that it's happening and they'll say they'll hear something about England being one of the favorites and I'll try and explain to them that you know despite being the the home of football uh, England's record in tournaments is incredibly disappointing. In fact, one of my friends sent me a picture and taken one of their kids and done like a St. George's cross on the face, like painted them up to watch the first <laughs> England game. And I was like, you don't realise the level of disappointment that you're yeah. setting your kids up for. <laughs> yeah, a lifetime of it. It's a lifetime you know, of disappointment. It's, 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 it's a rite of passage for, for many It is a rite children. of passage. They yeah. have to get used to just to disappointment. Just yeah. deep Deep disappointment. Deep disappointment. Any, any of yeah. Britain's Britain sporting achievements. Anyway. I know it's 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 true. It's true. There's so many times I remember uh, watching a penalty shootout with England, and this 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 little little flame of hope inside me that this time somehow it's going to go differently, and then the crushing disappointment as everyone oh, mopes no. around mopes around for the rest of the day. <laughs> so, but this but anyway, year is going to be different, right? This year is that right? Football that right, is yeah. coming home. Soccer is coming <laughs> home. We're going to win the whole thing. <laughs> you heard it first on the far shore. The far oh, shore. So there we go. Weights and measures. Soccer. Uh, maybe we should move on to what we're actually talking about today. <laughs> What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, we're talking about, it's funny, today we're doing, uh, we're talking a little bit about Revive today. Right. Uh, one of the things we talked about um, a few weeks ago now was you interviewed Mick. Um, mm. You were talking about kind of institutionalized care for children uh, versus family care for children. Uh, so one of the things we talked about was the fact that Revive as an organization was kind of changing across to this model of family care and looking at foster care. Um, and we said at the time, we said, hey, we should talk sometime about how that looks for Revive. And uh, so basically what this is today is you're, you're talking with Tony, uh, who works with okay. you at Revive. And, uh, and basically you guys are talking about the process uh, of taking this kind of idea of, of changing the kind of direction and the vision of Revive. And you basically guys, you guys talk about how, how it kind of plays out. 
uh, how it actually practically looks to take something from the concept of an idea to the actual final product or nearly, nearly the final product. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah. I'm looking forward to listening again uh, to the... <laughs> to the I just need to say sorry that if anyone can hear a dog barking in the background, that is our dog just going crazy. Yeah, so, well, uh, it's funny you should talk about a dog because I don't know if it's if it's the revived dog or Tony's dog, but actually in the interview, uh, there is a dog. There is is it is the revived dog? Probably. Ours is going crazy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, there is a revived dog that likes to shake. I think it's, well, I don't know if it's a revived dog, but there is in the interview. I think it's because I'm listening very carefully to the interview so I can pick up on like, oh, look, someone just got a text message or, you know, or there's a dog that shakes every so often. So, uh, so anyway, so, so, so do listen out to that. So, and, and before we get into the interview, I think in the interview, Andy, you actually mentioned that you've just had some um, some new girls in the last month mm. uh, that come in. So before we get into the interview, something you mentioned at the end, you say we've had some girls young enough um, to go into this program. What did you mean by that? Right. So so yeah, you'll hear you'll hear us talking a lot about about fostering, and obviously that's you know it's, it's been a great achievement to get to where we are currently, and we're about to hopefully launch the service. And the idea is, is that we're going to launch a pilot project uh, to basically show the city that fostering works and it's a good thing. And this pilot project will be for uh, babies up until six years old. So for, for, for children under the age of six, basically, uh, they will be able to go in to be fostered rather than being put into the children's homes. So we currently have three, three siblings, so a, a sibling group who arrived um, a few weeks ago now. And there's a baby, a year and a half, and then there's a three-year-old boy and a six-year-old girl. So technically, all of those uh, kids are young enough to be put into the fostering service rather than into the care home. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. I think that would just provide some good context because uh, when, you, when you talk about that later on. So, okay, well, well, why don't we get into the interview with Tony? Hello, everybody. So for this episode of The Far Shore, uh, we're doing a little revive update. And this month's update is all on uh, fostering. Uh, you might remember there was an episode on fostering with, with Mick Pease, uh, which is a good friend of mine and Tony's. And he did a very good job of talking about why we should be involved in fostering uh, rather than children's homes and institutional care. Um, but today we're going to focus much more on, on how Revive has been putting that all into practice. And the person who's leading our fostering movement is, is Tony Lurie. Tony, welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. Now, Tony, you and your wife, Laura, and your three little kids, you're originally from the UK um, and you've been in Brazil for quite a long time involved with, with quite a few different projects before you came to Revive. Um, do you want to give us a little, a little short story, of a short history of how you, how you wound up with us? Yes, I can do that. Um, yes, yeah, so let's start at the beginning. Um, 
I grew up in a church and in the middle of my troubled childhood, really strongly felt God calling me to be um, a missionary in Brazil, um, which at 14, you can't really do anything with that, can you? Um, but it always sat there and uh, things always jumped out of the page or jumped out of the TV when things about vulnerable children in Brazil came up, which they did. You know, that was a the season when all the problems with the street kids and, you know, people were writing books about it. And that really grew that calling and nurtured that calling that, that God had placed um, on me. Um, and then so however many years later, um, we... Well, I did some training with Youth with a Mission um, to further, further that and move in that direction. And then via Columbia, we, well, at Youth with a Mission, I went and met my wife. And then via a year in Columbia, we arrived in Brazil about 10 years ago now. Wow. So we've been in Brazil um, a fair amount of time. Um, and yeah, as Andy said, we've we've been involved with several things. We started off we did four years with Youth with a Mission in um, a boys' shelter for street kids and working on the streets. Um, and I set up and run a um, block concrete block factory to work with the boys um, to help them into the into the, the life of an adult where you have to work and and that kind of stuff. So it was kind of like concrete and discipleship. Um, it was messy in in all areas. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a great season. Um, and then we moved, similar to Andy's story, we saw there wasn't any provision for girls. So three families moved out, set up a new charity and, and moved into the countryside in the same area, but more in a rural situation. And we set up um, a home where girls could come as well. Um, so we actually had a girl's house and a boy's house so that we could really um, serve the needs of the community, trying to keep girls and boys in family units to, relatively together, but at the same time attending to the girls and the boys separately with their separate needs. Um, so we set that up with two other families and we were there about three years. Um, and then in a networking meeting, I'd already met Andy. He was one of the poker boys. Um, so yeah. Andy was talking about these opportunities with, with fostering and our heart as a family had always been family-based care. You know, we were passionate about even in an institutional setting, we would fight to bring in a family feel. You know, when the idea of communal birthday parties for everyone's birthday in that month was thrown up, we were fighting because who of you listeners would do that in your own families? It's it's abhorrent to our value systems. So we're always trying to bring family into the institution. And then God's opened this door to bring um, vulnerable children into families. Um, so we leapt at it. We felt immediately that, that God was calling us in that direction. Um, we moved to Alinda. We started working with Andy. Um, and that was about Two and a half years ago, I think now. So I think uh, maybe, maybe even more. I can't really, I can't really remember. Maybe get on to three. But, but like you say, Tony, it was um, you, know, you guys came at a, at a at a at a perfect time to revive um, because we were going through a kind of identity crisis of 
of you know what should our legacy be should it be just to start a whole load of children's homes all over the country um, and that's when God started uh, prodding us in in the fostering direction because that is much better for the child and it's more biblical and a lot of the, the things that Mick uh, said on, on his pod. And so when, when, when you came up to me after that network meeting and said, hey, you know, we, we would really like to talk more about working with you guys. And then suddenly, you know, you guys moved and joined Revive. It was, it was at a perfect time because suddenly we had an outlet to try and explore if fostering was, well, if it was a viable, um, if, was it something that we could actually do in the Northeast or actually do in Brazil? We didn't really know at the time whether it was something that you could even do here. And so we kind of entered into a kind of, looking back on it, Tony, it was a bit of a, I was going to say a lonely time, but it was kind of like two guys with a mission on a road to nowhere. <laughs> it was kind of very, quite pioneering. We didn't really know what we were doing. We were, look, fumbling around in the dark and discovered quite a few different networks and conferences in Brazil. And that was kind of like our beginning of the fostering journey. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that phase of life was, was for you, for us? Yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't a roadmap for that season. There, there, we didn't know anyone at the time that that had experience in this area you know and it really was kind of feeling around you know finding out how things would go um but it's amazing how god's led us you know led us to build a good relationship um with mcpease who is a global genius in this area um led us to um a conference where also several um Kind of participants in the in the conference were from our city from the council mm -hmm. so it it was amazing how god was kind of lining these things up and and moving things in place mm -hmm. um and it sometimes it felt slow sometimes it was like andy what we're we doing next what it, it was it was a weird season but i certainly now with with what we're doing um we are um a lot more knowledgeful um and when we're not we know we know who to ask you know i've yeah. got a few people that are mid-meeting and i'm like i don't know that answer send a couple of messages and people are, are amazing and they even answer during the mess during the meetings so we're yeah. that season gave us an amazing connection with some really really um good people that are doing what we want to do um and gave us a really good foundation, a training in in how it should look. And yeah, we that was a preparation season. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I remember one of those conferences was was a kind of uh, a Latin American wide fostering conference, and it was really really good to kind of see that fostering isn't just some kind of Western invention. That family based care is is something global. It's something biblical, and it works in you know, South America and, and, and even in Brazil, we suddenly discovered that it was, especially the south of Brazil, uh, things were kicking off. And so you guys, we, that was something we went together in, in Salvador. This is going to test our listeners' Brazilian geography here. because We went to down in Salvador, which is just south of where we are. But 
that you and my wife, Rosie, Tony, you guys went off to San Paulo together on a, on a kind of a conference trip. Also, Rosie and Elise then went down to Curitiba, got involved with all of these national movements of, of fostering. And the Sao Paulo one was, well, we have American listeners, so perhaps we'd better, we'd better give a quick nod in their direction. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about, was it One Million Homes and World Without Orphans, that kind of thing? Yeah, so basically um, the send happened. If people know what the send is, the send happened and, and kind of the, the national movement jumped on the back of it because the send was very much focused on kind of this side of mercy ministries and, and kind of orphans and all that kind of stuff. So suddenly all of the people in Brazil who were interested in working in this area were all in Sao Paulo at the same time. Um, I mean, there was there was thousands in the stadium. It was insane. Um, but that was kind of a side gig for us that we went to and, and watched what was happening. But off the back of that, because everyone was in the city, there you know there was opportunity for World Without Orphans, which is kind of quite a small um, outfit at the time to to set up a a meeting um, and develop some stuff um, and to bring more people in to really make that a national network that would work for, for the benefit of orphans. Um, and I think that event mixed with this crazy season we're in where everything can be uh, online. I mean, you know, we've continued those relationships and, you know, we as Revive now are really engaged with World Without Orphans Brazil, but also involved in national international stuff um with a global team you know the trainings they're doing and stuff so it's yeah all that happened we had meetings with a couple of organizations down south that have been running fostering services for a long time so it was amazing that everyone jumped on the bandwagon with everyone being in sao paulo um yeah. and yeah. yeah it really it was it galvanized some good relationships um i think it was the third time i met mick we spent a good good amount of time chatting and it built more relationships with Delton and Abba and Fazenda Historia. It was, it was a really good, fruitful um, yeah. five or six days down there. Yeah, I think that phase really solidified our foundation didn't it? Of, of what fostering is all about, good experience and stories of success of in other areas. It was something that we could really bring back to Olinda to, to build upon. And it was funny, just on, a, on, a, on, a, on an offshoot, but the SEND, huge Christian conference, uh, lots of American people here. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, that was a real super spreader, I'm pretty sure, of <laughs> COVID. I may have got, I came back from the conference, I could hardly breathe. I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I was really ill. So, that was I mean, that was February, wasn't it? Was it was it February, February, yeah. So February, yeah. So, a month before the kind of, world came into lockdown so i'm pretty sure that was that's that's why brazil had such big numbers <laughs> blame it on the send <laughs> yeah, super anyway anyway so so after that kind of initial uh foundational phase of getting to know people um at one of those conferences that we just talked about the south american wide one we were quite surprised that actually out of all of the cities in Brazil, the, who the governments, local governments could send people, out of all of them, they just happened to be 
representatives of the Orlinda government, who obviously Orlinda is where, where we live. And three that was a really- Three of them. What, sorry? Three of them, that's three. right. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, and we got to know them very well. It was great to see that actually the city as well was interested in pursuing fostering. And that kind of gave us a really large opening into actually being quite influential on a city level of bringing fostering in as a public policy. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about, about that? and the kind of progress we made and some of the frustrations maybe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it, so Halafi was, I think a five day conference. I mean, yeah. pretty full on, cause it was headphone translation, a lot of people talking in Spanish. So then we're, most of the conference was just Spanish or Portuguese. So it was pretty full on. Um, and we've got alongside us, these three delegates from uh, the local authority. Um, and it was interesting talking afterwards. They, I think all three of them said for the first two days, their backs were a little bit up because mm. basically in a, in a fairly nice way, but in quite a clear way, they were saying that the institutional model isn't the best. Yeah. And imagine in your own job, you listeners, um, somebody <laughs> comes in and tells you, oh, you know what you're doing? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of, it's like the happy shopper version of what you should be doing. You know, it's not, it's not cool, is it? It's, but by the end of that five days, all three of them said, we understand, mm. we believe in this, we want to move towards this, which was fantastic. That was, I mean, brilliant to have, you know, the, the leader of the, the high complexity department who deals with yeah. all of the, the children that are taken into care. She's saying, you know, I understand this is the direction that we all in brazil need to be moving into because i mean me and andy um have this challenge of being english sometimes that if we come in and say look let's do this it can just be interpreted as these gringos coming in saying we do things better and that, you know it's not where we're coming from but to have brazilians alongside us working together brilliant really really yeah. great there um unfortunately we'll sometimes turn fairly slowly. I mean, we, we did have the privilege of being invited um, to sit down and, and write together the law, mm. which um, fortunately we've got a lawyer on our team who came with me because um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, writing law, Evalda came, which was fantastic because yeah. yeah. he, he definitely had the skill set we needed because writing laws in Portuguese is, is above, <laughs> above me. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they were they called a meeting where they wanted revive to influence the structure and the values behind this law which is it is amazing absolutely brilliant opening of, of a door there um unfortunately at that point things really slowed down um so yeah just getting this law passed seems to be a bit of a hurdle hurdle that's not a word bit of a hurdle <laughs> A yeah. bit of a hurdle. So with, you know, COVID kicked in and there was a lot of other priorities and needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're kind of at that stage now with waiting for the law. Yeah. I think this, that, that second phase was, was, again, it was very interesting to see how God opened a lot of doors for Revive to become one of the kind of real playmakers of fostering, not just in Olinda, but uh, in the region. Um, the 
because of because of the networks that we're part of. So it's great to see the influence uh, influence there, and, and like you said, to be to be invited to actually be involved in writing the law, and then when we actually because we this was this happened over a, a long period of time. There was lots of meetings uh, with the local government and and with Revive, and we were we were really helping them uh, to push along with 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 the, with the law. And then when it came to actually presenting it to the power of the the mayor to see whether he would really endorse this as a public policy, they invited us to present it. You know, they didn't even want to. Uh, they, they, you know, wanted us to actually be the the the, the voice of why Orlinda should take on take in fostering. That was that was really really good. I mean, like it's obviously now because the pandemic, the law is is on the back burner, and and we've had you know as usually happens with politicians, they kind of get refreshed every few years, and there's the whole new team has has come in. Um, but we've kind of brought them up to the finishing line and, and now we're just trying to help them step over that. But over the last few months, as the pandemic has been happening and things have been on pause, um, we've kind of, we're not, it's not no longer just me and you and a few odd others, is it, Tony? We've, we've, we've managed to bring together a, a kind of revived fostering team. Um, do you wanna tell us a little bit about that team, what kind of stuff you guys are doing. Some of perhaps now, you know, refreshing the work with the with the um, with the local government, and then you know where we are in terms of, of actually beginning a fostering service. Yeah, yeah. So um with the with the local government, as Andy said, I think you know there's elections and people change and and we've, we've just had a meeting um, where all the people that we went to the course with, all the people that are passionate about it, have now moved on. Um, so we came in with thinking we were going to have to discuss about money and some certain practicalities. They were back at, are you sure fostering is a good idea? Um, but they want us to talk to them. They want us to present the argument that, you know, they, they are very open to that, which is fantastic, which is really, really good. Um, and yeah, as Andy said, there's a team now, which is, which is amazing. Um, ben to has joined the team who has an incredible skill set um, of like project management. Um, and he has cracked the whip um, with all our documentation and yeah, definitely not, not stuff that was getting done before. So we're looking at risks and we're looking at um, how to analyze whether we're succeeding, what we're trying to achieve and having this very elaborate um, methodology. That methodology is English, isn't it? Yeah. Methodology, yeah. you know, really having a, a, a written down project that we can then cut and paste a little bit when we're doing um, funding applications. And it's, it's really good, the process of writing this. We're having all these discussions and debates in the team and we're creating together what and dreaming together about what this service is going to be. Um, so the team now, we've got Bento, um, who is fantastic. Um, Ivaldo has, has always been along with us um, from a, you know, a legal perspective. And so he's on the team. Um, Hayani is the newest member who is a social worker um, and she's 
I, I love the fact she's constantly like learning and studying and involved with other stuff. And she is an amazing person to have on the team. She's, she's not just doing a job. She actually cares about what's going on, which is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Elise is in on the team when her other demands don't, don't pull her out of the way. But with this group of people that are working together, there's, we're putting some legs on it. There's a lot more momentum now. Um, we're, we're past halfway through. I'm running a training session, some eight training sessions, which will be the basis of our training for future foster carers, the parents. So we're going through that together um, for, for group learning, but also analyzing it, how we're going to implement it and making it our own, which is great. And uh, I think the written project should be finished next week or the week after. So things are really happening. We've got a meeting booked in in a couple of weeks, three weeks, I think maybe to present our project to the council. We're also going to present a little bit about the, the reasoning. I, I mean, um, Mick, I'm sure, has, has expressed a lot of that, but, you know, the, the neural science and the development stuff and everything comes together to say, uh, what I love about this is everyone knows that children belong in families, but now science has caught up and we can say, I can take a picture of the brain that proves children belong in families and we can all read the Bible and understand children belong in families. So you, we're putting it all together. We're, I've said to the team, we need to preach um, fostering to the council. Yeah. And yeah. this is what children need. Um, and then explain the project and and yeah, see where it goes from there, really. Yeah. So it sounds as if we are very close to to finally launching the revived service. Tony, when do you think that is going to happen? How far away are we? Well, launches is, is a funny thing, isn't it? We have launched because we are a team putting it together. Um, we would like to be ready to receive children in November. Mm -hmm. But there will be a three-month selection and training process of the families. So you pull back three months from December. I can't do that on top, off the top of my head. But it's August. fairly soon, August. There yeah. you go. Yeah. So I think in a month's time, the team will finish this phase of training uh, and preparing the documentation and there's this form and that form and this procedure, you know, it's all going to be written down and, and nailed down. Um, so we're kind of pushing on two fronts. Our prepare, preparation as the team and then preparation of the government to work out how we work together with them, pushing for the law and, and all that kind of stuff. They need to culminate and then we launch our recruiting campaign for families and then a month or two after the campaign, we start the training for, for two, three months, training and selection, because not everyone is, is right for this role. It's not an easy role being a foster parent. And if any of you listeners are doing it, you are awesome. You go above and beyond. And it's, it's hard. It takes a special kind of person. Um, I'd go as far as say to, it needs to be a calling. Um, but yeah, so then, so we're aiming um we we are relying on the judges sending the children um and some certain things that are out of our hands but they're all in god's hands you know but our 
uh, our timeline is looking at receiving children in November, which is very exciting. It is, and it seems like, you know, after so many years of foundational stuff and meetings with the government, you know, we are only a few months away from perhaps launching the, the first fostering service for the revived. And I hope, you know, listeners have, have perhaps have a little bit of a, an inkling now of, of how much work has to go into to launching these things. It's not as if, you know, this is something that we need to do, let's start it tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of work and preparation that goes in. And hopefully because of all the work that you guys are doing and actually preparing the foundations of this service, that when Revive launches it, it's going to be Revive standards, which has become uh, a Portuguese phrase used by the local government and the judges, the, the, the Revive standard, which means a, a very well run service, which Revive is becoming well known for. So yeah, brilliant, Tony. Thanks so much for, for giving us a little update of where of where we are with, with, with fostering. Um, My pleasure. Heard, yeah, you'd have, well, our listeners would have heard at the beginning of this pod that uh, Revive has just received um, some children who are young enough to, to, to be included in this fostering service. And so we are praying for and looking forward to the day when when Revive is able to have the opportunity to place these kids into families uh, rather than into our institutional homes. Anyway, so thanks, Tony. Bless you, mate. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll chat again on the pod once the service is up and running. Definitely, definitely. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. Thank you, Andy. Another great interview. I think you're on the interview train right now. I think I was on the interview train at the beginning, and then you've <laughs> you've now officially taken over the train uh, of interviews. Yeah. It's, it sounds it sounds like we're so organised, isn't it? And have all these interviews lined up, um, but the reality is very very different. <laughs> we shouldn't let people see behind the curtain of the workings no, no, of no, Far Shore. Yes. They're just going to be disappointed. So, uh, yeah. and it's funny as well. Uh, I could, I'm. I didn't edit it out, Andy. Um, I, I noticed that you you met Tony uh, playing poker. Is this right? Oh yes, that's right. I can't. It's, I can't even remember what we said. Yeah, yeah. We had a little. If you're more than welcome to join in, James. In oh, thank in you. COVID yeah. days, you know, we can do it on Zoom. Done. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't, know, I don't really know how that would work. You know, it's funny. It's just, just this is totally different again. We'll throw this in with the discussion on imperial weights and measures uh, and okay. uh, soccer as well. But it is funny. I sometimes, because of my upbringing, you know, kind of conservative Christian upbringing, uh, it's like there's this, uh, I don't know, this automatic knee jerk reaction within me uh, when any Christian talks about drinking beer or, or playing poker. Or, or any of these kind of things too, where, you know, I, uh, years and years of not buying ice cream on a Sunday um, has has led me to, uh... <laughs> well, don't I don't know me, what it is. Don't let me uh, uh, lead you astray. In <laughs> <ways>. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know. I know. Oh, oh anyway. Yeah, next well, you know, yeah we, we, we gamble quite regularly for money. No, I'm joking, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just in case anyone actually thinks yeah, I doesn't know. understand just the British British, British sense of humor. Oh, I have been getting in some serious trouble with that recently. <laughs> yeah. I still do. I feel like people, you know, friends here, 
should know, but I still put my foot in it sometimes by leading with something very dry. And I'm like, it's so shocking. There's no way that someone will believe that I'm being serious, but we have to be very careful. I mean, we have to be careful. We do. That's true. No, That's anyway, true. I thought, I thought the interview was really interesting. You know, it's very much, you know, this idea that we talk a lot about hypotheticals. Sometimes we talk a lot about ideas, mm. but actually listening to how the process went about too. Um, and I think what, what hit me as well is it's one of these things. And we do this, we do this without thinking as Christians um, in a good way, but it's that that balance of seeing how uh, God is kind of helping something move forwards, but at the same time, it takes really hard work. Uh, right. It's that kind of that tension, that combination mm-hmm. um, that we believe in as Christians, where we believe that you know God's ultimately in control. You know, we're thankful for God for kind of leading us through different challenges. Uh, and at the same time, we realize that that we also need to work hard too. Like, and it sounds like, you know, you and Tony and the rest of the team have been really kind of pushing this through. Um, mm. So it's really exciting uh, to, to hear that, you know, by hopefully by November, hopefully if, if things continue, uh, that, that Revive Fostering will, will be off the ground. Yeah, yeah. And actually there's just a little, because um, it's been nearly a month I think since since we actually did that interview and so just to give you a little um a little update uh, from it is that just in the past few weeks the uh the justice departments the uh, the, the city prosecutors have actually uh, got on board and are really putting a lot of pressure on the local government to pass the fostering law and have also you know tentatively spoken to me about whether there is precedent uh, for Revive to run a service, a fostering service, if there isn't a local law and to do it under federal law uh, instead, um, which is very encouraging because these are the key, these are the key people who, who you need on board uh, to, to get the fostering service up and running. So it is, you know, it's interesting to see how God, in just like you were saying, James, in, in God's timing, uh, you know, these doors start to, to open. Uh, so we have a meeting tomorrow, today's, yes, I think that's right, uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Um, so we have a meeting with the local government tomorrow, who seems to be now very keen to hopefully pass this law because the prosecutors have got on their back about it. Um, and then on the 21st of June, uh, we have a meeting with the prosecutors and the judges, uh, who are the, those are the key people uh, to talk about fostering. So, see, so things seem to be uh, moving now. Uh, like you said, it's been a lot of years of trying to push forward, push forward. And it seems now that, you know, we've got some momentum going and things, you know, it seems to be moving now without Revive having to, you know, keep on kicking the, the soccer ball along. <laughs> so, it, so, that's, so that's really exciting. And like you said, testament to to the team's work. And so hopefully these meetings will have a positive outcome and, and we should see fostering starting sooner than, sooner than we would think. We sanctioned uh, the, the, uh, the contracting, is that an English word? The hiring, there we go. The hiring of uh, a new staff member for the fostering team yesterday. So things seem to be moving on lots of different fronts. So that's a really, really good thing. And um, just to finish off, just reflecting what you said about, you know, how sometimes, you know, we think 
something is God's will and, you know, why isn't it not happening sooner? Um, it's always encouraging, you know, when you can look back over the years and you can see perhaps God's hand in things, you know, even if it was taken a while, you kind of now you realize why it perhaps didn't happen then and why it's better that it's actually happening now. Um, the difficulty for any Christian is, is even when you're reflecting back and you are not able to see, <laughs> to see like God's hand in anything. That's always the, that's always the, uh, the, 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 that's when you need to have it, you know, that's when faith has to kick in, <laughs> have to look yeah. a bit harder for, for God's hand. Um, but anyway, at least we can see that for fostering, which is very encouraging. Sure. Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a great topic for a, for a future podcast right there. So, uh, <laughs> But anyway, well, thanks, Andy. It's good to be back. Um, hopefully we won't have as much delay uh, between this and our next podcast. Um, it's been good. We've been getting some emails and some texts from some of our listeners. We do appreciate feedback. Oh, we do appreciate good feedback is what I should say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and it's good. I think we have good, good catalog, good library of things too. So a lot of people are catching up uh, mm. on some of the interviews uh, that we've done and, and hopefully we'll have uh, some good discussions and some good interviews coming up soon on the far shore. Good to be with you guys. See you again soon. Yeah. See you again soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore.